The Eastern Kicks podcast is brought to you in association with Guelo Beer. Use discount code EK10 at guelobeer.co.uk or guelobeer.com and get 10% off your order every time. Hello and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey Each episode we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to the last podcast of the year, and time for a look back on the highs and lows of Asian film in 2021. We're delighted to be joined for this special episode by Panos. Grandmaster at Asian Movie Pulse. That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Eastern Kicks regulars Nina and Theo will share their thoughts on favourite films from this year. But firstly, we always have to get on to that really important question <laughs> of the episode. Uh, James, what are you drinking this time? Uh, it's Christmas, so I'm drinking gin. Street gin, which I think is very kind of Charles Dickens style, right? Which is kind of <laughs> there. You go. That's my kind of weak justification for drinking gin at Christmas. Uh, like I wouldn't drink it in summer, spring, winter, autumn, anytime. But I have a very nice blood orange gin. Um, it's not a craft gin either, which is good. So yeah, I- I'm quite well set. I've got two thirds of a bottle. I'll be all right, man. And how about you? What are you Just drinking? So uh, on my recent trip to Somerset, I've come back from the Quantock Hills uh, with a bottle of Quantock Stag from the Quantock oh. Brewery. Uh, which is a strong ale in true IPA style. Um, uh, 6%. Very nice. How about you, Panos? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm just having a <gasps> cup of coffee here, but uh, I will uh, join you with alcohol in the morning as soon as I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Properly, I mean. Okay. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> you're, you're hours ahead, Panos. So are you only getting up at about... 5 p.m. in the, the, in the evening. Yeah. I take uh, w- the Spanish call it siesta, I think. Yeah, so that's that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> so a bit of coffee to get me going and alcohol a bit later. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right, all right. So let's get on to the chat. To make things a little bit more interesting, I've summed up the topics in a completely random fashion. Fashion. Using titles of soul and funk songs. Why? (laughs) Well, why not? (laughs) I put them all into a Santa hat, which I'll randomly pull out for us to discuss. And to make things more interesting for our listeners, if anyone can name all the artists for the song titles used, let us know via email, comments or social networks, and we'll do a tombola of prizes from my giant DVD pile. (laughs) Korean Korean DVDs. (laughs) No, James, we've sold most of your Korean DVDs. Yay! Well, you know, if somebody needs some of this... It's just the ones that nobody wants. Well, people are welcome to them, I suppose. (laughs) So let's get on to the first topic. I'm going to dip my my hands into the the packet and let's see what we've got here. So we have Smoke, Netflix, Chill. (laughs) I wonder what that could be about. Um... Well, I mean, 2021 has certainly, unsurprisingly, been a very big year for uh, for streaming services uh, and definitely for Asian for Asian content appearing as well. I mean, both the film selection is 
I, I think, you know, across Netflix, Amazon, Shutter, everything is really random and pretty nonsensical. But so obviously it's been a huge time for Korean stuff and Korean series in particular. And we've had lots, haven't we? I mean, yeah, it's we kind of predicted that this was going to happen with the whole pandemic and lack of content, didn't we? We were talking mm-hmm. about this and it, it does seem to have, and this is one occasion where it's kind of followed through and, and you know, where we've seen things, you know, who would have thought that a, a streaming TV series um, from Korea, uh, Korea about a squid game would be, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the most watched things in the world. Yeah, 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 that, that's true. Uh, well, I guess, okay, it was to be expected since uh, Asians and particularly Korean and Japan and India and whatnot, they, they were the only ones who were shooting in 220, right? The, mm. the rest of the yeah. world was in quarantine or lockdown or whatnot, but they continued shooting, so it was to be expected this year we were, go- we were going to watch a lot of Asian content, I guess. And also... Okay, so it seems you said random, but okay, I read an article like a couple of weeks before about how Netflix picks its stuff, and as far as I see, they are really invested in uh, star quality. I mean, they mm. watch like if the protagonist of a series has like a lot of followers or something like that, they are going to pick that one. <laughs> so it's not Lord, exactly yeah. random, they take. Uh, they, they think about factors like that, I guess. But, uh, okay, in terms of content and what gets out there, I guess it is random, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just a, yeah, it's not so much random, I think. It's just interesting. I mean, definitely the, the production and COVID is a huge factor to it. But I think we've been seeing, um, you know, certainly for Korean stuff, we've been seeing such a growth in Korean culture in general, just every whether it's like drama series, films kind of. Um, not, I don't think films quite so much. I mean, after Parasite, we, we didn't get too many more hit films. It had a big impact, Parasite, but I think it was just part of this wider thing and all the K-pop and the... The the sissy men, as uh, Xi Jinping calls them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I can't we, resist. We had a, an Oscar for Yoon Yo Jung in in Minari mm, as mm. well. You know, it's it's yeah. still very, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. It's it's, it's like the, you know the, the the Korean wave two point isn't it? That it's suddenly yeah. it's it's it, and we talk, we've spoken about this. James and I have spoken about this on previous podcasts, but mm. yeah, it really has come out of the omnipresence of 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 korean pop k-pop mm. just being you know it's not it's not you know 10 years ago it was still kind of ghettoized mm. and you know it's ghettoized. <laughs> but one of a better inspection you know it's uh i'm sure there are much better ones but it was still a niche yeah niche. interest and now it's, mm. it's 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 nobody even thinks about it really being korean it's just there are pop songs that are getting to number one in our charts and yeah and it's not even a it that's not really much of consideration in that sense, but it has brought this massive interest in Korean Korean culture that is just yeah. I, I mean, if you tell me like long. a year ago that I'd, I'd be actually looking forward to, um, you know, we've got the Silent Sea starting on Christmas Eve. If you told me a year ago I'd be looking forward to a K drama show, I'd have um, well, I probably wouldn't have done much, but I wouldn't have believed you anyway. You know, we're not, you know, all those K, you know, before, you know, you think about K drama, you just think about whether it's the the kind of sissy men or just the crying and the, you know, the sort of shy awkward romance stuff and everything. You know, until a couple of years ago, uh, for a lot of people, I think even people like, I don't know, like myself at least, who you know, very invested in Korean film, I still had K K drama. Even just the name K drama makes it sound like K pop, which is not something I would go near. 
but no, it's it's becoming so mainstream and stuff. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see if this is a a trend or a wave, uh, and if it goes away again, uh, or if this stuff is just now part of the mainstream moving forwards. Yeah, well, I think that the Korean uh, dramas got really got better than what they used to be. Like they used to address mm. like. Okay, as far as I see, teenage girls for the most part that was <laughs> exactly. the, the main exactly. audience. Well, but now it's got it's a bit better. I mean, Squid Game is really enjoyable. Well, no matter how you look at it, it's very entertaining to watch. Uh, yeah, we've had loads of them as well. I mean, Hell, I thought Hellbound was much better than Squid Game. I, th- I, I thought so. That, yeah. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. But, but the only problem with with that is we do need that second season to put it all together. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, we we've do. Just it's... Invested. Uh, and yeah. soon we need it soon as well man it's not it's annoying and the same as uh i thought sweet home was very good and that without saying too much about it that ends you know with a proper like cliffhanger type thing as well as to what's coming next so, and you know if that doesn't come soon i'll be annoyed at that as well and i haven't watched her name yet but i'm gonna watch that and i was gonna have you guys heard of a series it's not on netflix it's called the cursed uh a korean one yes yeah, is that By the same director as Hellbound. Uh, yeah, he wrote it. Didn't yeah, he? yeah. So Young yeah. Sung Ho wrote it and everything. But I've, and they had, there was a film version of it recently, or a film continuation of it, which came out recently called like Dead Man's Prey. Um, no, just because it's not turned up anywhere in the West, I was surprised that that's you thought that would have been a no-brainer for Netflix to pick up, given its connections to you know stuff like um, Hellbound and everything. But it's not, it, sounds, it sounds very much like a Young Sung Ho type thing where it sounds a bit a bit of a slightly wackier take on stuff with people with powers and everything and the undead and whatnot so uh sounds pretty cool maybe they'll maybe maybe they'll start going back and because at the moment netflix you know they have all these well what they call them netflix originals doesn't mean they actually had fuck all to do with them but whether it is the 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 hellbounds the squid games maybe they'll start going back up and picking up some of these other ones because they've done that with the uh squid game director they picked up his old films and put those on that's right yeah 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 uh, and they were i mean they were working with him already because uh psychokinesis was a, yes. a netflix production so I'm never I'm never quite sure because it's Netflix and they're mysterious, you know nobody <laughs> can even find their office. Um, but yeah, it's never quite sure how they work or whether they have these deals set up where they're you know they're just gonna bring all this content through gradually. But um, but no, I've just mentioned the curse because I, I I hadn't heard of it before and I quite fancy seeing it. But I'm not gonna go out of my way. So I'm lazy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, but but why do you think uh, all people watched Squid Game? I don't know. I people who never watched Asian movies before have watched Squid Game uh, now. I don't know what's it's happening. It's just critical there. critical mass. I think you guys. That's how Netflix works, and these things work. Um, it was very quick as well. I mean, there was a lot of yeah. talk about it. A lot, and it, and they, you know, I don't know if they kind of employed influencers or probably, you know, how these kind of probably. things work. But you know, we we. When you very quickly see people like The Guardian, within a few days of it debuting mm. and talking about it, and then since then we've had a you know an article from The Guardian pretty much every couple. It was a point where it was at least one a day, and yeah, now it's so tailed back to about out. once a week. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, I think it is just that different. That's the difference with the you reached that sort of word of mouth critical, critical mass, mass much much yeah. quicker now yeah. with because of the way Netflix pushes stuff relentlessly no i don't mean relentlessly in a bad way or anything even it's just you know they're mysterious algorithms and they do a they they do a pretty good job of getting stuff out to mainstream media as well um which gets covered so it's just 
And also that it's there for everyone as well. It's there for everyone, exactly. The minute it it gets into the top ten, then it's presented to every Netflix user as, as, as what's trending and... Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's because all the episodes are there. It's not, and it's not even that long a series. It's you know, it's not like there's a massive amount of investment for, for people to go out and look for and try. It. And it, you know, I don't like it too much myself, but it's got a, it's an easy concept just to describe to people. And, and I think one thing we said before, uh, Andy, it'd be interesting to see what the stats were, as to how many people say even just in the UK who watched the dub version versus who watched the Korean language version. Because yeah, we've had all the chat about subs, but because there was, I, you know. and I think we might have spoken about it before as well. But there was a, a story saying, "Oh no, 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 no! More people are still watching strictly." Yeah, oh, much more. It's, it's, it's but, a huge amount number. Yeah, but the the stat they were using yeah. only seemed to include the English dub of of Squid Game. It was a and really not the people who were watching stat. the actual original language subtitles on, which yeah, according to the the story, even even kids nowadays watch stuff with subtitles even if they're watching the the dub yeah. version of it yeah some sort of thing that youngsters do just i just do i have now. subtitles constantly um but that's just because you know, I'm well, old far from anything years. else you have to kind of go sometimes you have to kind of reset the old netflix and go no no, no actually this one <laughs> i don't need subtitles. <laughs> that's true but but yeah we'll we'll see how how this continues because i mean hellbound's didn't have uh, as much of a you know it initially sounds like it's got a high concept premise but uh it's not like it, it it's not like kind of very manufactured narr- narrative the way squid game is and it was mm. still hugely popular so hopefully that will you know hopefully that it'll continue and everything that, i mean that's kind of the other reason i guess whereas I, I get slightly slower to get into some of these things is because i can't be bothered if they're it's gonna be a flash in the pan thing you know with netflix equally that stuff will still be there in a year if I really wanted to watch it. You know, mm. it's not gonna it's not gonna disappear. So, it's really got this kind of um, you know it's so hot right now, <laughs> type, of, type of and everything. But will it still have that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe on Christmas Eve, the the old Silent Sea. Uh, after I watch Krampus, of course, because it's Christmas Eve. Uh, maybe the, the Silent Sea will turn it to be a heap of pish, or it'll just be a. It's got Bay Doon right very much down. It doesn't have Sam Neill. It doesn't have Sam Neill. It's, it's, it's a space got him in. film. Got him in for, for, for a cameo or something. Exactly. That. I don't know. I, I know. Joking aside, it looks good. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll we'll see. But I, just, I don't know. Even if, the stuff. I, I mean, Baydun is bless her. She's she's rarely in anything that's rubbish. And that's even true. if it's rubbish, she's always good in it. Um, Hugo. She was with Hugo Weaving and stuff. So maybe Hugo Weaving could turn up. I don't know. Meant to be in standard. Exactly, man. The average annual rainfall hit another low. The world's water will be reduced by 40% in the next 10 years. 제가 찾아온 이유는 아주 중대한 임무에 참여할 우주 생물학자가 필요해서입니다. 바래기지입니다. 달에 착륙한 후 여러분들의 임무는 기지 안에 남아 있는 중요 샘플을 회수하여 지구로 귀환하는 것입니다. 
kind of types of film for Japan. Mm. But it, it's interesting now, you know, back in the day, it, for Japan, it was as far as perhaps less so with Europe, but definitely in mm. the US and the and the UK. It was definitely Japan's cool, but not really for the anime and the the manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Until, until the last kind of 20, 20 or so years, but mm-hmm. actually those things are still very cool. But now, mm-hmm. as far as everything else is concerned, it's all yeah, it's all Korea. It is, yeah, and even just restaurants, everything like that. And I wonder if people start drinking soju more because I think sake has got reasonably mainstream at least, but soju is maybe. It's a bit of a slightly weirder drink than sake, I think. So well, that's that's the business we need to get into. <laughs> when we chat to our uh, our sponsors next time, maybe uh, we need to need to look at a soju mashup. I quite like so I quite like soju, but it does give yeah. you bad hangers if you drink a lot of it. Whereas sake is pretty harmless, even if you drink a huge amount. Mm. So I don't know. That's maybe true. it's the uh, Korean friends have said it's all the chemicals in soju, and they've just told me I'm better off not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> but I drink, I which I think is unfair given that I like Buckfast so, you, you know. know all about chemicals <laughs> it's herbs, mysterious herbs <laughs> mysterious made by the monks herbs, yes <laughs> herbs, herbs. <laughs> well the truth is though that okay, as far as I see it starts from the movies and goes to the whole culture thing but uh, the Japanese didn't seem so eager, like never, to promote their culture. At least not mm. as much as Korean does, which, which does it systematically, even through their government. Let's say they are promoting their culture. Japan it, was yeah. just That's true. exploiting yeah. its uniqueness, but not exactly promoting it. Yeah, Mm-mm-mm. that's a good point. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a very different attitude, and it, and it all and it has been. Korea has massively, easily for the last ten, fifteen years, been massively. Preferred outwardly promoting itself mm. to everyone you know whereas japan's always been a lot more in looking and yeah. i guess that's kind of caught up with it now i mean the the, the, the audiences and yeah 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 i mean we still there's still quite a lot of japanese stuff on netflix isn't there like uh what's alice in borderland which i still haven't but again watched, that kind of comes you know? back to the sort of anime manga yeah yeah uh interest which yes that's definitely still very present but it's that's the bit that 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 has that has hung on i think so, shall I move on to the next, the yeah. next one? So I'm just putting my hand in the Santa's hat. <laughs> well, what have we got here? Okay, this might be a little look. All right, get on the party line. <laughs> what could that be? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a really funky person, so you're, you're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to give us a, a bit of, bit more of a clue. Or me, at least, anyway. Well, the party line towing. Oh, the party, a, the, 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 a certain party CC line. party. Well, yeah, well, could be. I mean, it's it's um, <laughs> right, right. Again, I mean, like a, this is this has been going on for a while, but mm. you know, we've we've seen, I guess, with the absence of of anything else really, that that mainland cinema has has become even more mm. nationalistic and propagandist, and yeah. Um, Chippy on its shoulder about everything else. <laughs> yes. That's not a bad um, way of putting it. Yeah. Um, that's that's what we've seen in the UK. I mean, I don't know. Mm. Does, does anything even make it to to, to Greece, panels? I mean, I'm sure it's. Yeah, we don't get any. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, okay. You know, it's uh, it's all over the place. Okay, we now all right. We have. Uh, 
And uh, I mean, now, okay, I understand, okay, there is more censorship, more control, whatnot, but still, I think in a couple of years, there will be almost, I think they have already surpassed US uh, movie industry in terms of the number of titles they produce in China, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. in all those rules and whatever they have, so... I'm not sure. I don't and also, it's just it's just more difficult for you know. I mean, there's, there's for years and years we've had this this thing of easily twenty twenty five years of of you know, the Americans trying to break into mm. the, the, the Chinese market, and yeah, th this year that's really been cut yeah. off completely. Hasn't it? the last couple of years? It's and it's not just you know. I mean, China's been one of the places where cinemas have been cinemas have been open for more often, but yeah, just no, the, I think the, 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 the whole of, cool production thing is gone. Uh, I don't really see it happening uh, under the current, you know, we're both for you know the political reasons, but even just like having been involved with some you know co-productions which tried to happen and didn't, just the, the the culture of how you approach these things is just completely, completely, completely different. Even just when you get down to the, the nitty gritty of like financing and everything, like in terms of agree, agreeing contracts, because Chinese law doesn't apply anywhere apart from China, but you won't get a Chinese company to sign a contract in anything apart from Chinese law. So, you know, even even just that very, very basic, which we've kind of seen in some screening agreements as well, you know, film festival stuff and everything, before we had Hong Kong law, um, which <laughs> so it was kind of halfway between the UK and Chinese law, whereas now that's probably not really a, that's not really a thing. So, yeah, we are... I think it's not just because of the sort of differences with, with culture. We're seeing this whole surge in not just propaganda films, but films which are embracing the idea of like a new Chinese uh, military and everything. Like, you know, the Chinese military sort of now sort of standing up and everything, initially to defend itself, but at the same time with quite sinister undertones. Mm. Actually, no, they're overtones, to be honest. They're not really <laughs> undertones. It's not subtle. So and that's why we're seeing so many of these films like... Um, you know the eight hundred or the Battle of Lake you know, Changjin, and everything, which are just you know sort of Call of Duty style war porn, but uh, even less subtle than like Rambo was and things in the eighties. You know, yeah. or less subtle than Mike Michael Bay, and less funny than Armageddon because Armageddon's still a great film, but uh, <laughs> not but for the right reasons. But... Ridiculousness. So I don't think exactly. Anybody, it, you know, it's gonna. That that's it exactly. And when you see these other films, or something like Nineteen Twenty One, you know, with, which has a young Chairman Mao drag racing in it, honestly, fuck. But you know, there, there's, <laughs> I mean, no, there's there's no there's sense a few of anything that have to got them. away with it. I think you know. Uh, I, I, again, I mean, we we talked about this on a previous podcast, but Cliff Walkers. That's a good film. Yeah. You know, has actually got away with it by almost literally rubber stamping the beginning and the end. Yes. With the yeah. with the, the the big message and actually just mm -hmm. having a really lovely very beautifully done espionage very old school very hitchcock very third man yeah. kind of really um all the way through but you know so many of the other films i mean i have to admit you know i'm, I'm not you know i'm not a massive fan of, of war films anyway um yeah fair you know, enough and yeah. it doesn't matter where they're coming from to be fair i've seen <laughs> the, 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 you know, there was a point where there was quite a few some of the korean ones actually kind of there was okay. a phase of that wasn't there yeah, yeah there's a big phase yeah. of sort of yeah sort of um into the fire or whatever. My way, everything. Yeah. You know, but even those weren't amazing, but I have no interest in watching these films. But they're, at, I, I just watch them out of masochism and so, so I can, <laughs> and so I can get, well, otherwise I end up just writing for Eastern Kicks, like films, like here's another category three splatter film, five stars. You know, here, here, here's like, you know, a Japanese horror film. Oh, that's pretty good. I, I have to start, I have to find a balance with things I, I don't, I'm unlikely to enjoy, put it that way. 
but we'll take you know, but we'll still go with a reasonably open mind but there there's just you know, the military build up in these films is what i find sinister and especially in that the Battle of Lake Changjing, which is even though it's got nothing to do with Taiwan, there's still lots of chat about Taiwan and everything in the film, and it just doesn't. So many of these things don't fit, and like you say, there's no Armageddon's a ridiculous film. Even when you're getting the slow motion shots of you know the the old glory, the stars and stripes flying, and most people in cinema are just laughing and everything, but it's still entertaining. There's nothing entertaining about the 800, 1921, the Battle of Lake Changjing, Chinese doctors, any of these films, and it's it's not even just that fact is some of the other laws or regulations which have passed in China in the year, like they, every cinema like by law has to screen, you know propaganda films at least like two or three times a week, art house films have to do it more, art house cinemas have to do it even more apparently um, you know all these stuff like mobilising party members and youth party members to promote stuff as being part of their you know, communist education uh, and these cinemas, cinemas are told these things have to be well attended to certain levels which uh, which is probably why you know we've always heard these things before about cinema ticket levels how real are they coming from these places and if you're if you're running a cinema and you're told by the local party head that you have to get x number of people to watch this film about chairman Mao, you're going to hit that x target you know i, I don't think anyone's going <laughs> to i don't think anyone's going to say yeah there was one old guy in there um <laughs> i know i know you know it's this whole thing about cinema programming now having to reflect xi jinping thought and the cutting of kissing scenes and the love for the party must be expressed as much as your partner. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think before long, we're going to see the disappearance of technical problems because, you know, the, there's not going to be that many films left, which people actually bother to make. Because if you can't release them, you can't make any money from them. You know, this kind of proper independent film is going That's to go. The question. I mean, what is the future of, of, of this situation? I don't know. It's it's a shame because there's so many really talented Chinese filmmakers, both commercially and indie ones, art house ones, documentary across the board. There's, China's been a fantastic place for cinema, and you know, even until a couple of years ago, there, there was so much hope still in everything. Chinese films were getting out into the major festivals a lot more, um, and now I, I don't know. I mean, we have to remain hopeful for stuff, but I'm not. <laughs> and I, but I think like one thing you said uh, Andy at the start of that was I'm also very very aware of course we have um, you know a, a limited slightly more limited perspective because we we don't get many other films making it to the UK I mean there's only one company in the UK currently releasing stuff really and it really just does propaganda films so you know there might well still be other you know Chinese commercial films which are not doing well at the box office so we're not hearing about them so th there might be a fair whack of good stuff because Netflix isn't working with China, so we're not getting it on Netflix. Um, well, so the other thing is, it's getting. I mean, as we know all too well, it's getting more and more difficult to, you know, whether these films are ones that are that are released or at least given the the Dragon Seal to mm. appear at film festivals. You know that that that's that's yeah. going to be more and more difficult for for film festivals to pick those Very whatever's true. left of those films up to and present them to audiences in Europe and, you know, in, in UK and the US, um, because we know some of the issues that go with that. Oh, we do. We, we have experienced them firsthand. And it's a real, it's a real shame because there are, you know, China's got such a fantastic history of cinema and filmmakers, you know, all the different generations. And then, you know, some of the younger generations and so many good young filmmakers were breaking through these last few years, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see where it, where it goes and if they if they 
this I think what's worrying a bit is the fact that all this stuff has been accelerating the censorship, the this need to screen forcing cinema not forcing but telling cinemas they have to screen propaganda stuff, uh, this build up of the military in Chinese films, uh, everything. Um, I don't know. It's come. It, it has like a lot of these things. Uh, uh, it's happened quite quickly. So I don't know. I, I suspect we'll we'll see changes in the next couple of years, one direction or the other. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I suppose we should get most worried if we see a, uh, a film which sort of about the invasion of Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> D- directed by, you know, Chiang Kai-ge or someone. <laughs> well, these, uh, these yin-yang master films were kind of fun. I don't know if you watched them. They don't seem yes. propa- propagandistic. At least they are, okay, video game-like stuff, but I don't know. I thought it was fun watching them. And the other They're one was uh, Writer's Odyssey, which was... That was quite... Yeah, that yeah. was not bad. I quite yeah. liked that. I, I yeah. only saw it on a press screen. quite a lot that have come across from the... the, the I mean, that's going to... Presumably, there's going to be impacts on, on that as well. The, the sort of the online Chinese yeah, streaming services. The, the, we, we were getting a lot of those films. Mm, you know, sort of the, mm. the kind of very random It Man... Giant snake there films. Was, it was it was just a, a fever dream of, of yeah. narrative. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's it, I, I'm I'm guessing that, that with the crackdown on online sort of generally in China, that some of these services are gonna have trouble with what they can and can't make as well. Perhaps I think so. I mean, it, online is gradually getting more curbs introduced where previously they didn't really care about it. Um, but we see the, the massive crackdown. I mean, you know, I keep joking about the whole sissy men thing and everything, but that, that's being pushed into online stuff now. Like males have to be, you know, sort of not sissy men. They have to be sort of good masculine, you know, exponents of the the values of the party and everything like that. So it's, it is it is changing across all the different, um, you know, all the different things. And that's why, we, you know, we've seen this drop off, huge drop off in like Chinese documentaries now because you don't really make documentaries. You either make sort of glossy CCTV specials or, you know, you don't really, <laughs> you don't really bother now. So it is, it's, but this kind of thing isn't, doesn't historically tend to be sustainable, uh, you, you know, just because nobody, nobody really massively enjoys watching a lot of this stuff. Um, it doesn't, you know, it, you can't really sustain a film industry where the filmmakers and everything are completely held not just by censorship but by these sort of nationalism propaganda patronism stuff you can have that cinema exact existing for a country alongside a proper either commercial creative independent cinema but if it's all you have is that one cinema and it's all completely inward looking then you know you people are just going to stop making films because they can't really be bothered you know, you're, you're going to get property developers making a film or, you know, that kind of thing. And or party officials making films, which are just like, you know, training videos. So it's not I don't think it's massively sustainable. And I, I don't you know, the, the, it's not I don't I wouldn't imagine that whoever's making these decisions or whatever committees are making these decisions are, are blind to any of that. So uh, and there is real talent still in China and there's still obviously massive film schools like Beijing Film Academy and everything. So I don't know. I, I I hope for the best, but I, I don't, you know. <laughs> mm. We'll see. 
But, and, but there also seems to be the problem that uh, these censorship guidelines are not clear at all. Like, mm -hmm. no one knows exactly what is not supposed to put in their films, right? So it gets exactly. even more political like that. If you are friends with the right person, I guess you are okay or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's completely impenetrable and it changes so much. So you, you read so many cases, like a film gets the, the production plan signed off, the script signed off. The sign off to start production, the sign off to finish production, they get a rough cut approved and everything. They go to get the Dragon Seal to get released and they're like, nah, mate, sorry, the rules have changed in the last year. You're, you're screwed, sorry. <laughs> Away you go. Or even in something like um, the 800 itself was held up for ages, if you remember. It was pulled mm -hmm. from Shanghai and it was specifically because of a couple of obscure references in it. Whereas the censorship department, you know, you have the censorship, but then you have so many so many different like sub departments like the ones who look at farming the ones who look at certain aspects of history the ones who look at food and drink and everything so they all have to sign off on things so it's 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 such a huge and completely obscure system that you know actually making films through it, you have to do the the safest thing possible whether that's resulting in safe self-censorship if that's a commercial thing it's an incredibly tricky thing which is probably another reason why that the whole co-production thing um isn't working because I think Hollywood would bend over quite happily if they if they were told exactly what to do to make a film which will pass Chinese censorship. Well, they already have. They they they've tried, but even even then, films like you know have been not released in China or have run into trouble in China and stuff. So it's mm. there's such a high risk involved in co-production, production, anything in China, which is another thing about it which is not you know massively sustainable. I think, but you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, none, none of that sounds very positive, does it? <laughs> yeah, not not at all, not at all. And, and there's also seems to be a lack of like the middle film. Let's say now we get only blockbusters mm. and uh, extreme art house bleak films that show how bad <laughs> everything else is, and uh, no no film in the middle or something like that, you know. Uh, but that's, yeah. that's that's something that's been happening for a long time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what the, the the that that's probably where the online thing is coming in to kind of take the place of that because you have the the massive blockbusters which people go to cinemas and just sit on their phone uh, during the whole film. The <laughs> the, 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 yeah. <laughs> the the decreasing number of like art house and indie ones, you know, go to film festivals around the world first and then come back to China. A few of them. And then for people who don't massively care about going to the cinema, I think it's the online, you know, the online audience, because there's been, as I think Andy mentioned, there's been such a huge ramp up in production. And, you know, IGE this year has announced a slate of actually pretty big films, um, which I'm not sure if they're going to cinemas as well as online, but you know, a lot more like proper big budget films with, you know, big name stars and stuff. So I think that's something now when they're, they're edging out or you know they're edging out western influences and particularly u.s influences whether or not that is going to see these middle films come back in uh and whether they're just online or cinema so that, that'll be quite interesting to see this year because i think you are going to see a lot more of a push culturally to reject western influences this year or next year 2022 it's a bit late for this year <laughs> Thank you.
my name is Nina Doherty and one of my favorite films of the year was Takashi Shimizu's Howling Village. Howling Village of course already came out in 2020, but as it only got its western release in 2021, it seems appropriate to be talking about it in this end of year review. The story revolves around child psychologist Kanai, whose brother goes missing while visiting a nearby abandoned village. She then needs to dig deep in her own family history to solve the mystery of her brother's disappearance. The concept is based on an urban legend of Inunaki village. It's said to be an abandoned village accessible only through a mysterious tunnel. Like any good urban legend, the stories of why the village was abandoned vary from cannibals to incestuous madmen. But one thing always tastes the same. If you enter this village, you will never leave. All of this alone offers plenty of good material for a horror film, but Zimuzu has also decided to add elements from Japanese folklore into the mix, and they do tie in very well with the modern urban legend. The film does fall slightly short on the scare department, and if you're looking for something as terrifying as Juon, you will unfortunately not get it here. What you will get is a well-built atmosphere and genuine suspense, and for my mind it more than makes up for any lack of scares. Howling Village is part of a trilogy. Second part, Suicide Forest Village, came out earlier this year, and the final installment, Oxhead Village, is about to get its release soon. Both are also based on Japanese urban legends and look equally as intriguing as the first film in the series. They are yet to be available here in the West, but I for one am keeping my fingers crossed that we see a digital or physical release of them sometime in the near future. So here we go, unwrapping the next little phrase, song title. The next gift. Okay, uh, so uh, it's uh, Sitting in Limbo. Um, okay. Which is a, it's a little bit vague. It's a little bit vague, but it is. Um, it, it is it is about. <laughs> well, it's, it's probably not. It's it's a slight reference to the title of a, a, a film, and oh, okay. also um, the fact that in in many respects, it's no longer in limbo. Really, um, uh, appropriate to move on to this um, from the last subject. So yeah, Hong Kong cinema. Oh, okay. Well, when when you guys start this, because I I'm just gonna start. I'll start ranting again, or not ranting, but I will start discoursing again. One <laughs> <laughs> one of you, one of you guys, can jump on that first. Uh, well, I I don't know. It seems that uh, okay. I had a discussion with Freddie Wong like a couple of years ago, maybe last year, and he was really hoping that. Uh, no, he was really thinking that there is a new wave of Hong Kong uh, filmmakers coming up from the fresh wave and uh, whatnot. But I guess with the new censorship law that's going to be already started, I'm not sure it already started. It being. So yeah. I don't, I think, okay, it was on the brink of being dead, but now it's dead <laughs> completely. So I don't think there is any reason to hide behind our fingers. It's what can you do? I mean, if they won, they will not allow them to shoot anything, and they probably will. I don't know. I mean, we've seen some things pulled for the, the flimsiest of, of, of mm. reasons already, haven't we? That the, they're kind of, again, in a very similar fashion, that the, the slightest of reference to <laughs> whatever might 
might uh, mean that it, it needs to be pulled. And, and you know, I think, you know, talking about a fresh wave, I think it was a, a short film mm, earlier this year was one of the first to get caught up in the... the I think the director National was arrested as well, right? So I, 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 I didn't follow the rest of the case, but it was, yeah, it, it fell very much foul of these new... And we know, the, you know, national we, security we know law. From, from our friends at Fresh Wave that, that you know, a lot of those references are not... They're just the slightest part of the plot just to rest something on. They're not mm. in any way, shape or form, militant or... No, no. No, no, not not, not at no, all. They're, they're just kind of agendas uh, against them. No, it's just a realistic background to have pro- the protest there and everything. And I, I don't know, but I, I think it's the same, one of the same problems we've just talked about, like with the extreme mainland censorship. It's the the, the vagueness of the national security law. And we've seen a few Hong Kong filmmakers, you know, demanding clarity on it and stuff, and not not actually getting it because it, it technically anything which threatens or insults. No, you know, national security could could be pretty much anything. So it's it's this mad vagueness. I mean, obviously, it's going to come on in line with the Chinese censors, which means no horror, no, uh, no category three. Unfortunately, you know, not very much to be honest. I mean, not compared to like the stuff we've grown up with and love Hong Kong cinema for. So, but I I think it's this uncertainty and lack of clarity in the meantime where we're. How do you produce a film in that mm. environment? We we saw a few sneaking out just before, like Jun Lee's drifting and stuff. But I, I it would be interesting, you know, to see if you I don't know if we ever talked to him about it, just to see if that's gonna where he'd still be able to make that film today, you know. Mm. So I I I don't know, but it can't be. I, I, yeah, I I would I would love to to see us proved wrong, but I, I I yeah I can't see anything good coming from this either and even though we're seeing we do have a bit of an underground movement of these kind of protest documentaries uh like you know what's revolution of our times and stuff which have been uh screening at you know festivals around the world and winning a lot of praise and stuff and that's not really going to translate into anything which helps the film industry though no, uh, no. You know, they're, they're important to see and make and everything but you know they are what they are they're kind of standalone standalone films so it's it's hard not to imagine that that well, I'm sure that a lot of Hong Kong filmmakers will still manage to work within the system, and we'll see some new new Hong Kong filmmakers coming through and stuff. And I hate it's you know same as China, man. I don't like saying or thinking like that. You know, we are saying, oh no, that's it. We're closed off. Hong Kong cinema is dead. Mainland China cinema is dead. When you're going to have new generations coming through, but at the moment, just seeing the the, the way the playing field is, it's. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hong Kong's even more troublesome than China, but in that respect, because they're this is new, you know, mm. for China at least. Filmmakers have had, you know, if you're making a film in China, you at least know in advance how, how crazy the censorship system is, and that you might not know everything about it. Whereas in Hong Kong, this is like an entirely new thing for filmmakers, investors, exhibitors, everything. So, and it makes um, one of the the, the the staple of 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 Hong Kong cinema, and I know, particularly with the the fresh wave filmmakers mm-hmm. things have moved into a bit of a different area but yeah staple is all the different genres and most yeah. of which are, are, are going to <laughs> quite likely be no-go areas yeah all the kind of yeah. triads and ghosts ghosts and, yeah yeah Co- I mean, coffin homes hasn't really appeared anywhere has it so that's 
I still want to see Coffin Homes very much, but, um, <laughs> but well, we probably do have quite a few of these films, uh, as your uh, as your title suggested, uh, Mr. Haskins, which are in limbo now. Mm. There probably must be a bunch of films which are. We've already seen that for a know. while. There's been all these mm. films that you know. What is uh, was it? Warriors of the Future, or whatever it's called. It's <laughs> Warriors fine. of I think it's just Warriors of F- future. future. It's like grammatically slightly weird. Uh, <laughs> looks, I think that's because it's, it's probably shit. To be honest, um, the tra- but the, yeah, we've the, had the, Sons of Neon Knight, which we've been oh man, yes. been waiting for for, uh, we be, for we, an awful we long been, time, and moaning about life. that. Oh man, we've been banging for ages, and will that ever appear? I, I doubt it. I, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised, given that it is expressly, it is just a triad film. So, ah, oh, I don't know, man. But I, I, mean, I really we just hope got for all the, the, the socially conscious films that we've been getting so many of. For a while. Uh, upbeat sports dramas specifically underdog sports films mm. <laughs> so many man so i and, and i think there must be like okay this is china not hong kong but uh, how many documentaries <laughs> about uh, wuhan were out this year i mean <laughs> i think eight or something like that <laughs> one for every yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised we haven't seen some uh, other documentaries mysteriously appearing from Hong Kong, which are like pro, pro Hong Kong police or sort of anti anti protest films or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, we will some get there. We will get there. We we will. <laughs> those would be funny, like following around some evil students, everything like that, who are maybe like smoking a bit of the old wacky tobacco and plotting like with some American. You know, some really bad actors playing some American students saying, "Yeah, we have to crush these Chinese pigs." <laughs> I quite like the sound of that. Actually, that would be quite fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we move on to the next? Uh, let's go. Yeah, let's keep going then. Let's go, guys. Okay. Right. He opens it up and he presents East West Shuffle. Um, yes, it is the name of the song. I know, I'm sure. Look, I, I think we've and long so, established my musical ignorance. So. Oh, don't worry. Some of these are quite <laughs> obscure, so I'd be surprised if you knew uh, the answer to this one. Anyway, so you know, we 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 this has been ongoing for a while, but you know, at least the last kind of two or three years, I guess. But mm. you know, we're seeing more of Hollywood and the West doing Asian stories. Mm. You know, and and often with Asian filmmakers as well. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. This yeah, is also okay. I think it happened. It uh, started happening a couple of years ago, like yeah, with the yeah. whole thing with the Oscars and the Golden Globes that they were their members were only white American males <laughs> and stuff like that, <laughs> and uh, they had to apologize from the whole world essentially, and then suddenly started this whole thing changing, and uh, you know, suddenly a lot of Asian uh, films come out, a lot of Asian <laughs> films get awards. Um, you know how this goes it's you know it's like part of a trend mm. but it's it I wasn't mean, sudden exactly you know no no mm-hmm. definitely not I mean we had things like the farewell yeah um, lucky grandma it's it's yeah at least you know at least the last few years you know and actually some of these films are, have been you know like Minari actually very very good mm. you know and then then we're getting you know the we've had the DC tried to kind of jump on it a bit with Birds of Prey, but we've had a bit more of it with yeah. Shang Chi and and the Eternals, you know, with with uh, yeah, this. which are both unre- un- both unreleased in China, so yeah, you know. <laughs> shows how much how much point there was in Hollywood doing that, but um, 
But no, no, I, I, absolutely. I, you, it, it's like you guys say that there's been this. It's not, and in this case as well, it's one of those those things like diversity is kind of itself becoming a bit of a dirty word because it sort of suggests tokenism and everything. Whereas I think for also you know we had stuff like the huge success of like uh, Black Panther and everything, which showed you know showed in a good way that um, sort of mainstream white Western audiences um, would very ha- you know would very happily go and watch things with you know other ethnicities um, and lead roles and stuff, which is which is very positive. Though there there's still this sort of cynicism about it, which. Mm. It's you know unavoidable, I guess, with commercial cinema and unavoidable with Hollywood. Like they're, if they're seeing a trend of which they're clumsily trying to hijack on, and and you know while we're getting some very good genuine stuff like Minari and stuff like that. Although I mean I haven't seen it, so I shouldn't say it's great. Although every I've not met a person who didn't like it. So <laughs> so there you go. Um, but stuff like the I, uh, the Eternal. I mean Shang Chi was a piece of piss. I mean it's no. I mean not just because there's no raccoon in it, but it's just <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> it's the only worthwhile thing about Marvel is that he's such a rascal, man. But <laughs> you know, like Shang Chi was just pointless. You know, it was the sort of on the one hand, like it, it's great that you see like an Asian uh, hero and stuff still cynically pitched towards the Chinese market. Very, there's a, quite a few touches in it which are very very chinese market oriented um rather than chinese culture oriented and mm. it was just such a bog standard marvel origin story there was absolutely no there was no effort or, or thought anything went into it and all the, all the uh so, you know, particularly the sort of asian marvel heroes are all quite problematic they kind of uh, <laughs> yes. reduct them every kind of mm. 10 20 years to go along with with, with current thinking because originally he was was he the son of Fu Manchu or something? Something like he definitely had some Fu Man connection. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's it's you know they have to keep kind of looking back and oh actually that doesn't work so well now okay, that's completely. <laughs> it's also like uh, we are joking okay not joking we are criticizing Chinese censorship but uh, there mm-hmm. is indirect censorship in Hollywood movies in these blockbusters like mm-hmm. yeah. now nowadays I mean you see like even companies of uh, superheroes they need to have like at least one black guy at least one asian guy an old guy mm-hmm. a young guy you know probably a raccoon no a <laughs> member of lgbt you know you know how it goes. you have to it looks ridiculous because even some films that are supposedly realistic they present yeah. the world like that which is not how the whole thing works you know and okay, no, 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 there, there is. Yeah. Th- this is Disney. Okay, Disney's main purpose is now to not get anyone offended because anyone is part of a demographic, and if they offend him, mm-hmm. her, they will lose this demographic. So their effort is yeah. to satisfy or at least not offend anyone. And the outcome is completely ridiculous. It's unrealistic, and essentially, it's for kids. You know. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I mean. Like when I said, diversity is the. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, you know. Actually, in in theory, it, it's a it's a great thing. You know, having diverse stories, proper, but you need the proper, authentic, and genuine stories, and not just this sort of cynicism, cynicism towards it, where where you're just, you know, shoehorning stuff, and they're not even because they they care. It's like you say, it's just because they don't. It's you know, it's still all about numbers. They're trying to rack up everything. Yeah. That. There's and that's probably why these films like Minari and stuff. There's another one. I'd, Blue Bayou or something like that, which uh, or you know Lucky Grandma as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Andy, which are genuine. You know they're great films because they are 
you know, they're they're proper stories. They're you know. And actually, you know, reasonably well telling a, a part of Asian life. I mean, perhaps that's so with yeah. grandma, but you know, real experiences and Mm-mm-mm. real diaspora experiences for for Asians as well. You know, being yeah. in America and or the UK yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and I, I suppose it's slightly different. I, I guess for for guys like us, just in a way, and that we've spent. So too long, you know, watching films from from Asian other parts of the world. So maybe on the plus side, these kind of, you know, um, halfway house films will maybe get if someone who sees Shang Chi or something will go and watch something proper. You know, you know, or, or maybe there was a little a, bit of interest in old Tony Young, wasn't there? Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Maybe it, it did seem very short lived. Um, it was. And also not like, because not like the Guardian and Squid Game stories, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> or the Guardian and Harry and you know Harry Potter temptress and everything. Don't get me don't, don't, get, me start, don't get me started <laughs> on, start that on that one, one. again. Um, but no, but you're right. I mean, with Tony Lung being in there, then hopefully the plus side is some people will go back and check out some of his films. Everything and so. Michelle Yao seems to be in everything at the moment. She is. She? Yeah, yeah. That, so, I mean, that's I'm true. very happy about that. I mean, she's basically she's mm. well, there's a new. Witcher. That's right. I, I didn't even know that she, was coming. She's supposed to yeah. be in a spin-off of the the Star Trek Discovery that, that, that she was in. There's, I can't, there's a whole load of other things, projects. She seems to be surely yeah. getting too busy to actually do all of these these things. But it's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I want to see anybody get all this work. I'm I'm quite happy to see Michelle get it. Oh no, absolutely. But, you know, um, you were talking before like Beinut, Beiduna being in so much stuff mm. uh, and everything. She's in a lot of Western stuff. So, so hopefully, yeah. So may, maybe the sort of grumpiness uh, <laughs> we might feel about some of these stuff, like Shang Chi or you know Eternals, or um, which well, is not really you know Asian. It's just got the uh, Chloe Zhao directing it, yeah. but maybe it has a not a much better, bigger sort of knock on effect and stuff, which is all part of maybe this whole. Ties in with things like Squid Game becoming popular, people watching subtitles, and maybe we will see. This is all just small steps towards a, something better, more open and stuff in the future properly, and not just cynically. You know, Hollywood being cynical, never, you know. Hello, this is Mausan. I'm the director of Maniha Folex. I'm the filmmaker from Myanmar and I'm now listening to Eastern Kicks. Shall we move along? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, here we go. Moving along. What have we got here? <laughs> oh, okay, well this, this is the name of a song and the song title is Bean for Five Fingers of Death. <laughs> it really well, is the name of a song. Well, that's fair. I mean, even, even I don't know the song, but I, I know the obviously I know the five fingers of death, so I feel slightly more <laughs> <laughs> not not excluded so much with this one. <laughs> so this is kind of talking about, and, and again, I think we've we've spoken about this on the on the uh, podcast before, but yeah, they're not really seeing much in the way of new martial mm. arts films. It's but but we're seeing a lot of old ones getting quite premium posh releases, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very much so. Uh, and and I think uh, essentially the center of martial arts films is now, you know, like Central Asia, Indonesia and Malaysia, they are the only ones that still produce. Okay, not a lot, but, you know, some mm-hmm. at least every year. Uh, 
okay, I don't know, I don't know, limbo is a martial art field. <laughs> okay, there are some martial arts there, you know. <laughs> but, it's got some brawling in it. I it has some brawling in there, yeah, yeah. But, but, but yeah, I think the trend is exactly as you mentioned it, and uh, there is so much back catalog to release, like. Just Show Brothers is like, I don't know how many martial arts films have they produced, like a couple of thousands, <laughs> who knows. So, uh, but I like the yeah. whole thing, though. I like the trend that the whole thing are getting uh, re-released and in proper, uh, you know, proper editions and stuff, because, you know, we had them on those uh, ridiculously Hong Kong uh, video CDs or whatever from the past, you know, or VHS or... Laserdisc. La uh, la yeah, yeah, laser <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly dubbed by the same guy who did, like, 18 parts in the same movie and stuff, even the women. And, <laughs> and uh, th th there seems to be a lot of money to be made there, I don't know. I mean, so many companies taking it up, probably. You'd assume so. They have. There has to be. I mean, just the, the sheer amount of stuff which is coming, the amount of different box sets yeah. that we've seen coming out this year, which are not cheap to produce on physical no, media. I mean, particularly, I mean, there's the, there's the bonus content, which mm. you know, may or may not be paid particularly well, I think. You know, you, you, <laughs> no. no <laughs> you guys be. have both been involved in that as well. So, you know, that, that, that depending on who you're working for, may not, not be massively. Oh, labor, then, labor of love. Labor, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, take, for instance, the, the new Arrow set for the Jorscope. You know, I mean, that's a very... It's, it's, not, it's not just a box with some Blu-ray mm. cases in it. It's, it's been specially made and produced. So that would have, that would have cost a, a fair bit to... Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's also because okay, the audience of these movies, the people who buy, I th who buy those box sets and stuff, I think it's our age, so about twenty-five. Okay, I'm joking here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think they're in the forties and uh, above, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So and I guess th oh, there is a bit of a sweet spot there, isn't there? So it's kind of forty mm, and above. Yeah. People who haven't really adopted um, digital media, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah we still, for... you know, we we still we still got all uh, the the, 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 the physical. <laughs> we still got the laser disc, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not massively you know so that they are really there is a bit of a sweet spot in the sort of you know 40 to should we say sort of 50 68 age yeah. group who, yeah. who like having the the, the mm. actual physical media yeah and you can yeah. and those are the people who are buying it but i mean i guess the other side of that is are there any youngsters yeah coming yeah, aboard yeah. this this trend or is it is it is it does it have the slightly perilous um thing where the the core audience is 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 getting of an age where <laughs> <laughs> no i i agree i think that's i mean i think it's absolutely it's great that these things are coming out but um it's it's not having a sort of knock-on effect into like seeing more martial arts films produced i don't think it's winning any new it's creating any new martial arts or kung fu fans no, or something no, um, I don't think so. and i get i mean we're not seeing you know joking aside about limbo and stuff we're, we're, what are we seeing coming from like hong kong or or china uh, anything. I think, like you said, Panos, some martial arts films just tend to come from the the other sort of Southeast Asia regions mm -hmm. now, um, but they don't. You know, th those tend to be more sort of one-off hits. I mean, you know, you you don't see like a massive knock-on, even for something as big as the Raid films. 
yeah. you know uh, yeah. you, you didn't suddenly see like a massive growth in uh you know indonesian martial arts films or, or anything like that yeah, so you get these kind of one-off things of the, the, so the backs as well the sort of that's right yeah yeah. Mm, yeah yeah very, very much so so it's although i think it's great for this and i and i agree as well like there is like a, a an aging audience and while you can you can think okay on the plus side they, they probably know exactly how many people are going to buy their dvds and they, they probably know them all there they have on the one hand you can probably plan a business around that quite nicely you know on the downside it's just it's not growing that's not a criticism of, of any of these companies because it's yeah. not their job but it's a shame that, that there's nothing ever to replace whether it's the shaw brothers the they also have golden the way Golden Harvest used to be back in the old days. There just yeah. isn't, and this is a slightly weirder one because it's not even really like a censorship thing, you, you know, in that respect. Because you know, martial arts is such a part of, of Chinese Chinese culture. But even like in the last, you know, ten fifteen years, uh, there's been so few martial arts films coming out of Hong Kong, even mm. you know. Mm. So I I don't know I I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not sure why martial arts has dropped off so much. Uh, violence is frowned upon now, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's like not good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it was always such a cultural thing, martial yeah. arts. Uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, as really well. seen that same yeah. kind of. Funny thing, it's, it's like can't have sissy men <laughs> kissing girls, but um, you can beat the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> That's the fun. Uh, and uh, okay, and considering the price of some of these box sets, they are not addressing mm. young people. You know, it's like exactly. <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, absolutely, it's, yeah. it's the same. Very, very true. Yeah. It's the same point, isn't it? That yes. It's not for it. Ha- you have to be at a certain wealth and stability. Probably, you're, you're probably on your final pay packet pensions to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we'll I mean we're I mean Donnie Yen is like older now considerably older so he's not got too much I mean I didn't I personally didn't like Raging Fire I think I mean Andy you liked it more than more I liked it more than you did in a sort of you know action movie style but it wasn't classic Benny Chan for me mm-hmm. it was uh, yeah it, it, and, and I thought old Nicholas C was, was just a bit lost in it he was he was yeah. he's still the best character in there and so he was, a lot yeah. of fun but mm. he was he, he he would have been nice if his character had been developed a bit more rather than yeah you know he just had a bit of an off day and then he went off and basically <laughs> <laughs> but with but with him be older now Johnny Yen I mean you know Wu Jing was kind of a great hope for a while to be a new martial artist but he's gone full you know full on you know propaganda CCP uh, style films which in itself would be okay if they were producing martial arts films but as I said at great length before they're just you know it's just war porn and like mm. military the military and war are good as long as you're on the right side i.e our side um so there's there isn't really any any anything coming through and, and martial arts tends to be that doesn't it whether it's a jackie chan a jet lee a donnie yen it kind of mm. needs some star to kind of galvanize stuff i mean tony jaws slipped quite nicely into working in a mixture of like different Hollywood and indie stuff. So yeah, he's, and um, he's... Ico OS as well, didn't he? From, yeah, 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 exactly. he, yeah. He started appearing in stuff, but again, kind of well, you know, massively lost in some of those roles and not. Oh yeah, they're, they're not great roles, roles I mean, but they're still getting a, them. Um, he's actually not a, a bad actor, I'd say. Better yeah, than Tony, yeah. but just lost in those productions, just utterly, utterly lost and, and wasted. 
but still getting cast and getting paid yeah. the big yeah. the big bucks and stuff. But you you can probably tell the kind of level of how good the kung fu martial arts industry is by you know seeing an interview with the Shang Chi director saying, you know, he really wanted to have like top martial artist Jackie Chan, you know, in the in a Shang Chi sequel and stuff. Well. There you go. That, that that just shows you the sort of, in yeah. a way, the state of the. But but I think it ties into like the, the audience because if you said that to a lot of the, the people who were buying these box sets, they would probably be think that's fun, fantastic news. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. They, yeah. they still, they they don't they haven't really had any new heroes for quite a long time. Well, Scott Adkins, I guess, but doesn't really tie into this. Um, you, you know, there's not there's not there really some, been anyone a, yeah, coming I mean, out. Oh, I think that was a kind of the flip side of 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 how big. Bruce Lee was, yeah. and then you had Jackie Chan kind of take up that, you know, even mm. in Asia kind of take up that, that kind of mantle. And there's really not been anybody who's kind of got to that, got to that scale of, of being known by everyone and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of reach that, you know, they just... Mm, post, post Donnie, we're, we're kind of getting into close to being a post Donnie Yen. Yeah, world. No. He was, wasn't he talking about kind of cutting back on the action? He has been. Like he has that. been for. He has been for a while, mm. and and I think it was like with Jet Li. It was. It wasn't clear whether they were saying action films or martial arts films or one-on-one martial arts films or you know it's not clear. But he's definitely yeah. He's been making noises about you know scaling things back, and he'll have to. So you know. But we'll I mean, see. Hopefully, that was Hopefully one of, was one of my up, fun yeah. films. I mean, that's that's going back a bit now. But Enter the Fat Dragon, Donnie Yen. Is yeah, that, that was a, that was decent. Most fun surprisingly, martial arts films uh, I'd seen for a while. To be fair, agree that that was yeah. proper old school that was, that was Wong Jenging. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know, I, hopefully it'll just be a case of things going cycles, and sooner or later, we'll, we'll get some really charismatic, you know, fantastic martial artists coming forwards and. People will build films around them like, like they did in the old days, and, and the genre will come back, and we'll get young, youngsters loving it and everything. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, vaguely, vague, slightly more hopeful than I am about some of the other topics we've discussed. Put it that way. <laughs> All right, I'm going to dip my hand into the Santa's hat once more. Okay. Let's see what we've got here. Spice of life. Open brackets. Oh yes, you're the best. Close brackets. Hmm. Uh, so that's a kind of long way of saying, you know, does, do, do do any of us have a a favourite film, a, a film that's floated our boats this year? <laughs> and how we how do we think the year's been generally as well, in terms of Asian film? Well, I have to say for me, Limbo is like a really special film. I I haven't mm-hmm. enjoyed the film so much for a really long time. The whole combination of you know action and uh, drama and the whole thing I think was pretty impressive for me that was the best film but I haven't seen uh, unfortunately I haven't seen drive my car which <laughs> is, is probably yeah. uh, okay if, I don't know a lot of people seem to like that one but I think it's very it's this this whole thing like a lot of film buffs who watch Asian films tend to like <laughs> the Asian films that look like <laughs> European films so yes. I think uh, <laughs> Drive My Car definitely falls under this category. And... Hi, I'm Theo Howe. I'm an Eastern Capes writer based in London, and I want to talk about my favourite film of the year. Uh, my favourite film of the year is Ryusuke Hamaguchi's Drive My Car. What I really liked about Drive My Car is that it shows Hamaguchi continuing his interests that had shown, uh, especially in his previous two films, Asako 1 and 2, and Happy Hour, 
really focusing on developing his style, focused on quite extended, uncut conversations, very quiet moments. It's based on a Haruki Murakami short story, and similarly to Li Changdong's Burning a couple of years ago, it's, it sort of takes many of the rough ideas of the source material but really expands upon it to make it so much more than that short story is. What is particularly striking to me in terms of what I really like about it is what a beautiful, tender portrayal of grief it is um, with our central character losing someone so close to him and we have to watch him you know, it's not about the before and after. We're very much watching him go through the process of learning what it means to lose someone, learning how he has to cope with that in sort of day-to-day life, um, and how he then treats those around him. And Hamaguchi finds very interesting parallels between that uh, process of grief and the process of what it means to create a work of art as an actor, working with a director, and vice versa. And it really just hit upon a lot of really nice ideas not least of which is this idea that grief not only is a process but it is a collaborative one much like creating this brilliant work of art even if some members of those who are creating the play or creating the film will have different experiences to others it's something that everyone's put their you know put their all into and that's something that's worth celebrating Absolutely, my film of the year that we covered. I I have to say that, that my choice is Drive My Car yeah. out of the films I've seen. I'm probably forgetting some films I saw at the beginning of the year that maybe I liked, but um, actually many, I, probably. I was surprised considering that it's a, a three-hour movie, how much I liked Drive My Car and how much I didn't think, oh my God, this is really dragging along. Not at all. It's got a very interesting pace, which is kind of slow-moving, but not slow cinema. Oh, good, good. Um... It does, does do this thing of, of having the, the titles come in about half an hour into the movie, and that's the place <laughs> of it. You just kind of get into this rhythm, and it's like, okay... But um, that's yeah, actually I, I, kind, that's actually kind of a trend in Japanese movies lately. That they yeah, well, well, for a while there was that that film a few years back. Um, Shime Another, uh, you remember? Yeah, the one that sort of that 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 has the the titles about halfway through the movie and then completely changes. Yeah, changes yeah. tone. Great, from that is a great. A film. quirky comedy into serial killer land. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I want exactly. to watch that again, though, man. That was such a great film. Yeah, but, uh, it really was. <laughs> But I, you know, I, I, I have to say, I mean, without, yeah, it sounds like one of those critics, but um, I actually really, really did enjoy Drive My Car. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, James, oh. have you got anything? I'm going to say word for word what Pano said. Uh, actually, I really, I think Limbo, it's it's not as good as uh, Dog Bite Dog, it's, which is much, much more hardcore. But I think it's the best, the best one I've seen this year. And I also haven't seen Drive My Car. And would I would have, but I just didn't want to, you know, like you know, you guys, you know, probably had it on screeners and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I did watch, watch it at a cinema. Laptop. I did watch it at a cinema. So yeah, exactly. And, and, it, but, and I, I actually, yeah. I, I put off seeing it 
mm. at the London Film Festival. I put off, uh, you know, and, and 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 seeing it on a screener. I put yeah. off seeing it at, um, you know, with, with some of the links that we got because I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think it would travel as well. You seeing it online because you'd be too yeah. distracted. But you know, it's one of those things. Being mm. in a cinema to watch it. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. it is, um, I would definitely would. I would definitely see it, but uh, it just wasn't showing. Oh, in Glasgow, it was like after nine o'clock the screenings, and I, I wasn't. So I'm, I'm not trusting the trains out here where I'm staying. So you know. Um, but yeah, Limbo was a great film. Midnight uh, was uh, a good film as well. The the Korean one. Yeah. With, with lots and lots of running around. So with much the guy, running around. With, with the guy from Squid Game. With the guy from Squid Game, who's very. <laughs> who's point, completely pointless in Squid Game. Not but, completely pointless. It's just mm, a very feeble way to get some of the narrative. Feeble, that's, that's, I think feeble's worse than pointless. <laughs> <laughs> At least pointless sounds like it could be a bit random and funny, whereas feeble just makes it. Like, <laughs> but he's great in Midnight. He's a fantastic crazy serial killer who's just you can just whip on disguises at the drop of a hat and there's a mad pimp fan which is absolutely no reason for anything in that <laughs> film in the best way it's very very fun man i do want to so. see it and it does it's, it is coming out here of course that's right media of, uh, eureka i think eureka of course that's right that's a be be interested to know how that kind of caught their eye but it's probably through the eastern kicks review I think it must have been definitely. They're, all, they're, they're, they're looking at it every day, looking at us every day to see. Yeah. Uh, but, but in general, I think it was one of probably the worst year Korean mm. cinema had in some time. You know, it was like after Burning and Parasite and uh, mm. Uh, mm. Beasts. It's interesting to see. It's kind of shifted uh, for Korea. It's definitely shifted more towards sort of streaming. I yeah. think with the yeah. success of some of these, you know, with the success of Kingdom and so on, it's it's um, mm. yeah, it's probably a sensible way to move. But I mean, for years, I think we've seen lots of stuff that's been very, very familiar from Korean cinema and not really done anything that that we haven't seen before. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I I, com- I completely agree. We we've we've hit that kind of quality level um, for Korea that whether not a quality ceiling, but. Uh, it, everything just sort of blending into much of a much of a muchness. Nothing bad. Everything the classic three point five stars out of five. So so many films. So there, it was clearly not really going to break through. And so streaming has provided a way for a lot more of these things to get through. And because I think, like you said earlier, Panos, like the Korean, whether it's through the government or through cultural organizations, there is much more of a push to get Korean content um, out and around the world and stuff. So it's it's a natural fit for them to work with streaming platforms, both for films and for TV series, everything. So I I don't know, it, that's, that's quite a positive development in that respect. But yeah, I think it's been a pretty poor poor year, not just for Korean films, mm. but for for in general. Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a films. double whammy as well. I mean, I, that, I don't think there has been... Because we have access to the... Lots of folks don't in terms of film festivals, you know, yeah. outside of True, any yeah, kind yeah. of mainstream releases. But mm. even then, there hasn't been no a it's lot been of the, the same stuff at pretty much every festival, like across the space of a whole 12, 12 months, give or take. Right? There's mm. not been, you know, it, it, because man, maybe that is a COVID thing as well, and the online thing because people have. You know, before there'd be more of a clamour for a big premiere or this film has just finished shooting so we can get that now. But maybe this year the timescales have all switched and stuff. So 
somebody playing a film in January and then someone else playing it in November, you know, geo-locked to their region for screening online doesn't matter so much. So, yeah, no, there's lots of different reasons for it, but just not not a great not a great year, not a great year at all, man. It was a struggle to to even actually think of what had come out, what I'd seen this year. Not because I've seen so much, just the opposite, you know, just not been that much to actually see that was good. Yeah, and I guess I think because you mentioned James, this three point three point five thing, I think <laughs> Japan was always the champion of three point five. Uh, you know, always like there are so many films from the from that country that are three point five. You know, almost everything is three point five, and it seems like this year this three point five managed to get on top because Korea fell a bit lower than that or something at least like as a whole. And Japan seems to be on top again with the Hamaguchi <laughs> and whatnot again. It's such a depressing, such a depressing niche. Yeah, they're not they're not bad enough, and that's why that's why, like I say, I watch some of these Chinese propaganda films because at least I can sit there going, "Fuck, I'm wasting my time." No wait, you can go and write a shitty review. Oh, I feel better now, not much better, <laughs> but at least I think I'm I'm doing it like a war correspondent for Eastern Kicks or something. So it's <laughs> a know? good leveller to kind of work work, you know, to kind of make sure that the, the scores we're giving are fair and It's gotta be yeah, the five stars or the one stars. Nothing no more three star films, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, kind of related to that, you know, I was also looking before. I can't really even see much coming out. The, the, there's not like a big productions we're waiting for apart from stuff like sons of the neon night and stuff like the, well, the, stuff, the ones yeah, which haven't and, appeared and you know the, i think um the wind the wind that shakes the barley ambition <laughs> or where the wind it's not where the wind blows when the wind blows whatever it's called i keep on thinking of the uh why the, the wind the, blows or something yeah. <laughs> that's why it's i just mix now. it up with the ira film all the but time that, with that, the wind that shakes that might finally get released after getting pulled from last year and getting reshoots like old jung was one second but um but yeah, the, apart from these, and there is a handful of films which still haven't come out, but there, there isn't really anything, I, I can't think of any of the big directors we know are working on stuff or, you know, anything really big which is coming out or yeah. about to go into production, I, I don't know. So hopefully 2022 will be better, but 2021 has been an equally bad year for production. So I, I, and equally with these changing models, I mean, like you said earlier, uh, Panos, one of the main things now is being able to plan a production you can make as quickly as possible or you can shut down as quickly as possible and restart so it, we're, we are moving into this completely different model of, of film production which Asia seems to be adapting to better than the West to be fair but whether or not it's going to result in massive quality or anything I, you know, I don't know so what, I'm not sure what 2022 will hold Someone, well, someone say something. Someone say something cheerful. Give us some. We, we we have to find something positive. What do end. you think we are, man? Cheerful. For God's sake. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking gin, old mother's ruin. So you know, maybe that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll hope for the we'll hope for the hope for the best. I'm sure we'll get. I'm sure the the silent sea will be good, and I'm sure after that we'll get a few more powerhouse. Um, Korean series next year. That's vaguely positive, and I don't know. May, maybe some of these Hong Kong films will get released, like Sunset Neon Night and the the wind that blows or shakes or whatever the wind is doing. 
at the moment. <laughs> the trouble with the wind is it keeps changing direction. That's the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite so, quite so, man. But uh, I, Korean cinema is probably the Korean, not cinema, Korean content is probably the 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 most likely one to deliver stuff. I mean, Taiwan is getting we're getting a lot more Taiwanese stuff no, on Netflix, Taiwan, but it's. Yeah. It's it's very lodged in the three point five bracket or the three or the three bracket. There's nothing awful, but there's nothing, you know, all the horror films and everything or the the genre films are, are still they're fairly conservative. Apart from the the sadness, yeah, the sadness is not mm. conservative. <laughs> it's not conservative, but it's it's it's. I really like the sadness, but yeah. it is sort of proper category three, pretty badly made, rough around the edges. But you still like it because of its gonzo energy yeah you know type of film everything it's not on any technical level a good film it's just it's just a very fun and entertaining film so yeah maybe we'll see more of that kind of thing from taiwan that, that would be very welcome next year you know even i'm not too bothered about the quality if it's got delivering the gore and everything <laughs> okay yeah. or raccoons <laughs> we'll see man maybe maybe it will be the year of the raccoon in some way 2022 but yeah one can only hope you know. <laughs> one can only hope there we go positive <laughs> note to finish on <laughs> so that's it for now Thank you so much, Panos, for joining us for this episode. Thank you for having me. It's a, pl- no a pleasure, man. We'll do some mashups with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. We'll do, we'll do. <laughs> Don't forget that you can find all of our previous episodes on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. But for now, <laughs> cheers. Yeah, and, and, and happy you new year. Go. Oh yeah, happy Christmas, happy New Year, happy you know. whatever, whatever you believe whatever it. Episode yeah. goes out. <laughs> exactly, whatever you're doing, just have a drink. Okay. Yep. Okay.